So yeah. there's the usual reality shows that Kelly and I like to watch, and okay. one we like watching uh, called The Challenge on MTV. The whole politics of the show, eh? But at the end of the day, when somebody makes it to the final, the best fit usually wins, which at least is fair. Okay. I watched a season of, of Big Brother with her, the only one I've watched, and the most undeserving person won, and I was so mad. <laughs> I was like, for somebody who's an athlete, the fact right. that I'm watching this, I'm like, this dude wins half a million dollars and, and does not deserve yeah. it. Welcome back to The Loop. I'm Alex Myers. As always, I'm joined by Steve Hennessy, Christopher Powers. This is a special episode of The Loop podcast. Uh, we have a huge guest that we kind of teased last week. Uh, reigning Masters champ John Rahm is going to join us in a bit. We had a terrific sit down with him in Midtown Manhattan, of all places, uh, which was which worked out. So that was great. But obviously, we decided to have a special episode not only because of John Rahm, but because of all the chatter surrounding the 2023 Ryder Cup, specifically Zach Johnson, who finally unveiled his six captains picks. And to talk more about that, we bring in our own. Shane Ryan, a Ryder Cup expert. Uh, I mean, the guy has written, you know, so much about the Ryder Cup books, literally, literally books. So uh, we, we bring Shane Ryan in to talk about the Ryder Cup. Um, Shane, you also, you've been doing stuff on the Local Knowledge podcast feed, the Ryder Cup Radicals. Um, so you are you guys are all over this. I know you've already d- done that episode today, so we're going to be re- rehashing a lot of stuff. But, but first of all, thanks for joining us today, man. And congrats on your... Uh, recently breaking 80 for the first time yeah Woo. yeah thank you very much um yeah no it's very funny to hear that injury like you would not believe the guest we got john rom is here uh but first shane ryan <laughs> you know <laughs> and do you know who else well. do you know who else you're following oh yeah <laughs> who else holly saunders holly saunders john rom shane ryan yeah. yeah wow what a legends legend. of the game I'm, I'm, i just want to preemptively <laughs> apologize to all the listeners i wish i weren't here too no, it's great to be with you guys as always. I love uh, love listening to you guys all the time. Yeah, Ryder Cup Radicals with Luke and Joel. We're we're cooking and steaming, and we're going to be podcasting all the way to Italy. We're just kind of obsessive. So if you're really into the Ryder Cup, or even if not, and you want to catch the fever, yeah, it's been fun doing that. Yeah, and 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 tell us about your book, Shane. Too. I mean, get into the weeds here. Sure. Yeah, the cup they couldn't lose was a book that came out last year, and it's. <laughs> Nominally focused on the Whistling Straits Ryder Cup where the U.S. beat Europe, but I think what it really is is kind of a history of the Ryder Cup in general, Uh, modern Ryder Cup especially. So you're looking at questions like, why did Europe kick our butts for so long, even though we always had the better players, right? America, we. And then what did the U.S. do to reverse that? And it all kind of culminates in Whistling Straits with this historic Ryder Cup that, in my mind, we'll see, but it kind of changed the era. It kind of changed who is the dominant force in the Ryder Cup. It's kind of why I think, you know, the U.S. is on the ascendancy, why I think they're going to win in Italy this year. Uh-huh. So it's like my magnum opus, my thesis uh, on all things Ryder Cup, which has always been one of my favorite kind of uh, subjects that I like to obsess about. Cannot recommend so- Shane's book more, by the way. It was so good. Uh listened to the, the audio version of it and, and Shane doing the audio was was hilarious. Uh so uh, <laughs> a definite great listen right before the Ryder Cup this year. Yeah. How long does that take, Shane, to, to record an audio book of how many pages? Yeah, it was, um, it, you know, the book is, I think, 300 pages or something like yeah. that. I should know that, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, it's anywhere between 200 and 6,000 pages. I'm not exactly sure. 
Um, the audiobook probably took it was so long. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I've done long form podcasts. I'm like, I want to do my own audiobook. Yeah, and it yeah. Two grand or something nominal, right? So right, like right. 2000, I'll record it. I like, I like my own voice. The last guy we had do it for my first book couldn't say the word Rory. <laughs> that's a problem it sounded, it sounded like roy the whole time so it was oh, like God. well we, you know at least we can control I, I know i can say the word rory um yeah but yeah so i did it it was like something like 25 hours or, or so it was yeah it was, it was seen amount where by the end it's like you kind of want to yada yada your own book right then right. <laughs> you know in the last few decades these people wanted you, you all saw what happened at whistling straits go read the wikipedia uh, right yeah you got their so, money for uh, that of you yeah, yeah right. Right. right you ended up making about Five dollars an hour. It sounds sweatshop, like. sweatshop pay, by the yeah, way. yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so your thesis, of course, like you said, is you know that was a big moment. Uh, the U.S. seizes control of this event at Whistling Straits. That so, so your thesis is there's going to be some kind of momentum now to have that, and we know since 2014 and when Phil turned on Tom Watson at that press conference. There's been this call to, you know, whether it's a task force or whatever, to have more continuity with Zach Johnson's picks today. Is that what you're seeing from Zach Johnson, that he is kind of continuing what they've been building these last few years? And is that what does that explain some of these picks? Yeah, definitely. You know, like a Justin Thomas would be the great example that we're right. all, everybody is like the huge debate on Twitter and everything like that. Justin Thomas is record in Ryder Cup and President's Cup at 16, five and three. He's an amazing mm. team match play golfer, six, two and one in his two Ryder Cups. And, you know, he's again, somebody people like, which, you know, on Twitter, they're like, oh, he's part of an old boys club. Guess what? It's good if people on your team like you. It's actually, it's actually a good thing, right? It's That's not true. a bad thing That's to true. have chemistry. Um, and so, yeah, so his success and his, he, but it, of course it is part of a club, right? It, it's yeah. very clubby at this point that plays into it, but I think it mostly plays into it in positive ways. And so, you know, you mentioned the task force that came after the Glen Eagles Ryder cup and task force is such a like highfalutin funny term to use, right? It's, it's almost absurd, but they figured out how to manage this thing and they learned a lot from what Europe had done. Uh, and so just on a practical strategic, like even something as simple as like, what's our team room going to look like? They have learned down to granular detail, the most efficient ways to run a Ryder cup. And part of that is picking the best people, uh, guys that fit together, you know, like how Europe, you know, Ian Poulter has been on seven teams and he only qualified for two of them. So he's always Ooh. been a captain's pick. They understand now they would understand something which they might not have understood before that recent form is only so important, right? There's a lot of time to lose that form or to regain that form much more valuable to see like, Oh wow, this guy was in Paris where everybody else in the U S team was getting smoked. And he went four and one, you know, at, at the Melbourne president's cup, when the U S slept walk through the first three days, Justin Thomas was carrying that team. He can mm. go into the road in these hard environments with people screaming and yelling at him and he can get wins and, and people like him. There's people he can pair with. So yeah, it's, it, you're exactly right. It's like continuity. It's learning from history, which the U S was always really bad at doing. Uh, and it, it's just part and parcel of their sort of new philosophy on, on how this thing works, where it's like, what are you going to gain from picking Lucas Glover? Right. Or even someone like Cam Young, right. Like, what do you, when you throw them out there, do you have any idea what they're going to do? If they're going to be able to handle that situation? Truthfully, probably mm. not. You don't really know. You know what Justin Thomas can do. Uh, and so, yeah, unless the guy is literally shooting, you know, rounds in the 90s, it's worth giving him a look and and putting him out there and seeing what he can do. That's why I'm kind of surprised by the reaction because they're they're basically doing everything 
you're saying that the 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 way they've been trying to go the cohesion route they're doing that and picking their best player their Sergio Garcia you could call him and everyone's kind of I know everyone flips out about everything but you know this is what we've been kind of begging them to do for years now they're doing it and the reaction is like how could you possibly pick this guy yeah I, I think there's like Chris you probably have seen this and you know, you're on the front lines of this in some ways where it becomes political all of a sudden, like in the year 2023, there's a major live versus PGA tour undercurrents yeah. to this, where if you support Justin Thomas, it's because you're a PGA tour shill. Who's also best friends with Justin Thomas. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't want to get accused of that when I don't even have the benefits of ever having hung out with Justin Thomas. <laughs> I've never even had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him and he wouldn't know me to pick me out of a lineup. If, if I'm going to get accused of that, I would love to actually be his friend. Uh, but no, so there's a little bit of that going on. There's also this undercurrent of thinking that some people deserve to be on the team based on their results recently or something like that. And my response to that is, you know, we have seen the evolution of the Ryder Cup on both sides trend toward more and more captain's picks, right? The U.S. didn't even have any for the longest time. Europe used to have like one or two. Now both sides have six because strategically and all their stats guys say it's better to give the captains more freedom. And so if you operate under that principle that this is a good thing, which I think strategically it is, there are exactly six guys who deserve to be on both team. And they're the six people who qualify automatically after that, nobody deserves it. It doesn't matter if you're seventh, right? It doesn't matter if you're, if you're Brooks Kepka and lost out by $30,000. What matters is giving the captain the freedom to put together what he thinks is the best possible team. And so I don't think Lucas Glover deserves it. I don't think Cam Young deserves it. I don't think Keegan Bradley deserves it. I think it's, if you deserve it, you better get in that top six. I, I agree, Shane. Um, the, the one guy we haven't mentioned yet is Dustin Johnson. And he was obviously such a big, you know, point uh, there for whistling straight, right. you know, had, had a bad record before that, especially on the road. I think you've pointed that out, Shane, but are you a little surprised that, you know, obviously him being on live is a huge factor, but a little bit of that continuity uh, from, you know, the more veteran guard of the Ryder Cup, are you a little surprised that he wasn't as considered as, as anyone else? Yeah, I would say it's one of those situations where I'm not surprised he didn't make the team. I guess if there, yeah, if there is a surprise, it would be that there was almost like no discussion of him right. at all. Right. So, yeah. And I don't, to be frank, I'm not exactly sure what his recent form is like. Um, no one knows. That's the thing. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem. And I think Zach Johnson was sort of tiptoeing around that point that, you know, I think he said, like, I don't really follow it. But I think what he actually meant is, I don't know what to make of it. So yeah. you could tell me, like, Dustin Johnson has five straight top tens in live events. And you're like, Okay, that could be really good, or we could sort of not know what that exactly means. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think I mean Justin Johnson was awesome in the last Ryder Cup. Even since captains have said nice things about him, like he did everything we asked of him. He was a great teammate and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's just the U.S. is not maybe in a position this time around. There were just so many people performing in concrete ways that they weren't really in a position where there was that spot open. I think even if they wanted to and you know, not being a fly on the wall in the team room, who knows how much they wanted to or, or whatever, but yeah, to your point, it's his name almost didn't even come up. Right. Yeah. I tried to put him in my recaps, like out, but just giving him the respect of saying that he's out right? <laughs> instead of right. leaving him off completely. But right. yeah, he was just never kind of on the discourse at all. I got to say, you guys are swaying me because I'm one of those, Oh, he deserves to be on the team. I, to me, I, and I'm, I'm kind of like this in other sports too. Like, you know, if, if someone's already won an MVP and it's a toss up, I'm like, give it to the guy who has a, you know, I just want to spread the wealth a little. And 
So to me, Lucas Glover, I know he's not part of the the club. I know he's older. Um, to me, it's like, God, he's never made a Ryder Cup. This is his one chance. Just let the guy be on the Ryder Cup. I, again, maybe I'm too being, you know, too soft here or whatever. You're romantic, Myers. That's but you're yeah. usually a you're usually a hard marker, as Francesca would like to say. I, I, I am usually. You're right. But in these cases, like I don't know. It's like to me, you know, and even John Rahm was talking about this. Whoever you're going to pick for that last spot, they're all so good. They're all so close. It's not going to make that big a difference. So to me, I mean, it could. Don't get me wrong. One guy could go own three. Another guy could go three and zero. But like. We don't know that. Uh, so to me, I just feel bad for him. And I also feel really bad for Keegan Bradley because I just a couple months ago or whatever, when he won, not even a couple months ago, when he won the Travelers, which, you know, we always joke is the fifth major around here. I mean, it, it really was like a major this year with the terms of the field. And he blew out that field. Um, he was a lock to make the team at that point. And you talk about a guy who's been on the Ryder Cup before. I know it was a different era. I know it was the, you know, he was Phil's boy and all this stuff, but he wants it so bad. And so the guys I feel the worst for today are Lucas Glover and Keegan Bradley. Um, but you're talking me into a little bit with the Justin Thomas and everything else. I just, it's still tough. But what do you think about those? I mean, you've mentioned Lucas Glover. But what about Keegan Bradley? Because he's more of a guy who is still could be a future asset as well. Not just a one timer like Lucas Glover. Yeah, I think, you know, the it's a lot of good points. And, you know, I we've all been focused on the JT thing, but JT's got his whole record going on, right? So that's yes. a separate thing. But if if Keegan Bradley's resume were Ricky Fowler's and Ricky Fowler's were Keegan Bradley's, I still think we'd be sitting here today with Ricky Fowler being on the team. Meaning if they had switched places, right. still Ricky Fowler would have made it, right? And it's, it is one of those things where it's those results where – Okay, with this task force, one of the side effects is that it created this cabal of captains who now seem just to rotate between each other. Like, like when Davis <laughs> Love became President's Cup captain, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. How does he get it again? Right. And it's like, oh, because now it's like a group of four CEOs that share it. Right. And then, and they have their own clique, right? A lot of them live on St. Simon's Island or whatever. They brought in Stuart Sink, so there's some outside blood, but the players they're going to pick are also similar. And so I, I don't think there's any pick you can point to and say that was the wrong pick. But when you look at Sam Burns versus Cam Young in that 12 spot, it's like, well, Cam Young's from the Northeast. He doesn't seem to be part of the clique. Right. Sam Burns is like Scotty Scheffler's best friend. He does Bible study with all of these guys. Right. I wonder which one's going to make it. Right. And, and right. I don't think that doesn't mean it was not undeserved. I actually think Sam Burns had a slightly better resume, but Keegan Bradley, same effect, right? He's this dude from Vermont. I don't even know what his relationship is like with all those guys, but he's not, right. he's not Sam Burns. He's not Ricky Fowler, obviously. Right. Like Ricky Fowler is so tight with all of these guys. Um, but then you could also say, well, you know, team room fit is a big deal. It, you know, it's like, so it's not the worst thing in the world, but yeah, it, part of the effect of having this task force cabal or whatever you want to call it is that the guys on the outside are really on the outside now. And it becomes a much higher bar to clear and Keegan Bradley mm -hmm. did himself no favors with his playoff appearance and everything like that. But like you said, I mean, winning the travelers is no small thing. And yeah, instead he's kind of, I would say he wasn't even the first man out. He was probably second man out. Yeah. To that so point, to that point with the cabal, uh, because unnamed here, he's not an assistant or captain, but Tiger Woods is lurking there now. He's clearly made it a point that he loves being a part of this. He has been a captain, a player's captain at the President's Cup. He's been a, a vice captain at the Ryder Cup. He's also buddy-buddy with Justin Thomas. 
I, I mean, it's not, we're not taking a major leap here to say that Tiger Woods was in Zach Johnson's ear pumping up Justin Thomas, right? I mean, that, that kind of seems like a pretty obvious conclusion. I think so. And I think, uh, I think probably the other players were, but also I found it funny. This is something I didn't know at the open championship when Zach Johnson was being interviewed and Justin Thomas had just shot his 82, right? His, his absolute low point. And they asked just uh, Zach Johnson, you know, are you worried about him? And he's like, you know, well, he's my roommate here on the road. Of course, just as a friend, I'm worried about him. And I thought, it is so perfect that Justin Thomas's roommates with Zach Johnson. Yes. This guy, this guy is like makes friends with all the right people. Yes. And, I, and I'm not saying it's a phony way or anything like that, but he's best buddies with Tiger. And I was like, it was just so funny to me. Like, yeah, of course he's roommates with the Ryder Cup captain, right? Like, <laughs> right, like right. the guy is like the most connected dude in the history of golf. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I exactly like it just. If you if you were inclined to say no to Justin Thomas, it certainly makes it harder when like you have to room with him on the road, and then yeah. Tiger Woods is like you need to right. It's like all these things. It's like that's pretty. It's a pretty good. Uh, you know, you got to tip your cap in some ways. He's connected. Right. Yeah, right. I'm wondering if you know a guy like Keegan maybe in in the future like we'll see a shift from some of these guys like they want to be best buddies with certain people, have his wife bake Tiger some cookies or something like do whatever, <laughs> like, cause that's obviously part of it. As you just mentioned with Justin Thomas. Yeah. He'll just like show up with a sleeping bag at Zach Johnson's <laughs> yeah. on the road. Like, Hey Rumi, can I sleep on your lawn? <laughs> well, well, Keegan's in, you know, Keegan's boys with, with Michael Jordan as is um, yeah. Luke Donald. I guess I guess Jordan. I know he's kind of the the unofficial mascot of the the Ryder Cup for almost thirty years. He's been going to every Ryder Cup. I guess he doesn't have much to say because he's probably bummed about about his boy not making. Is Shane well of of anything? And I know you know there was that report yesterday by the Guardian where we kind of got all the names that came out about twenty four hours early. Was there anything in the actual announcement or any name that did surprise you? um from from zach johnson or, or was it what you was it the six guys that you thought he was going to go with yeah so i published we you know doing this Ryder cup autology like pretending to be joe lenardi of the Ryder cup but we right, luckily right. published sunday night um published sunday night and called the six guys that it would be and barely called burns over young but that was the last call uh so i got it right um but it made me laugh because I was very glad I did it then because like you said by yesterday at like 4 p.m we knew who the picks were going to we be it. yeah there's this Twitter follower who's a great Twitter follower, blue on the board, and he's like a Europe, you know, guy. And he published his prognostication like an hour after all this happened. But he, it was like a three thousand word piece that he'd clearly been working on for a long time. And he published it. These are my final predictions, and it was just funny because you're like, well, that sucks for you because we know we know who it is at this point. Yeah. You're just a little bit late. So yeah, we got it out. That no, so nothing surprised me. You, you know, Europe I think is the hard, far harder one to figure out what he can possibly do. But I think, yeah, the only thing that became hard for me at the end, yeah, you know, Lucas Glover and Keegan Bradley almost fed it to you on a silver platter by just not playing that well the last two uh, playoff events. Right. Uh, so then it became Burns and Young, and you're like, well, the only thing in, in Young's corner, which is by far the funniest thing of the whole Ryder Cup cycle so far, is that Fred Couples said he was on the team. He said he'll be in Italy. And so yeah. I, you know, for the longest time it was Brutal. like Kim Young. You're like, it, does, it doesn't make that much sense that he's a lock, but Fred Couple said it. Right. So if there's anything I'll pat myself on the back for, it was overcoming that when I wrote That's Sunday night, going, actually, it's gonna be Burns, and I think Young's the most vulnerable, and I think Young's out. And I made that leap, even though, and then I yeah. I asked Zach Johnson the question today, and Zach was like, "Oh, I think it was in, in jest, like at his press conference." <laughs> maybe, it was in jest. maybe it was Freddie. Not in jest. 
Freddie could have known that the Youngs have a uh, vacation plan to Italy for September, and he, <laughs> yeah. he was just saying, Who knows? Yeah, he'll be in Italy. He'll be in Italy. Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, you're right. And Freddie clearly part of this cabal, as you as you say. So that that is an odd one there. Um, it, and if Cam Young was paying attention, I get the feeling he's the kind of guy who doesn't really pay attention to all that stuff. But I'm sure someone told him that Fred Couple said that at some point. I just hope he wasn't, yeah, wasn't planning on it uh, because he he ended up getting cut. Um, all right. Well, for the record, let's get to our talk with John Rahm. And for the record, John Rahm thought Justin Thomas, and this came out right when we were talking to him, is a no-brainer. He compared it to like if Rory had a bad year next year or something. He's like, he's like these guys just are automatically on the team. He's great in match play. He deserves to be it. So we we asked we asked John about that. We asked him about a bunch of other things, uh, you know, other experiences and uh, a great drinking story we got from him as well. So uh, just a real great time. And then after when the camera stopped rolling, John was going peppering uh, Steve and Chris with uh, whole by whole stuff of of their round from Augusta National when they won the the Masters Media Lottery and played the Monday after, so that was amazing, guys. I mean, he was just I mean, peppering you. He, so, I, I joked yeah. when he walked into the room that he's our favorite golfer because him not him not allowing a playoff to happen allowed CP and I to play right. the Monday after the Masters. And we <laughs> right. won the lottery, and he thought that was funny. But yeah. I mean, he I think he really is one of our, our favorites after spending time with him. Um, 10 minutes after the interview was done, just shooting the shit, going hole by hole with our round. He was genuinely interested in like what we thought about certain yeah. greens and certain holes, certain positions. Um, Dispelled yeah. the notion that nobody cares what you shot. He asked us. That's what, right. Uh, yeah. Asked yeah. Us, You're right. He asked us our handicaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. handicaps. Yeah. John Rom cares. John Rom cares. That's right. So, well, anyway, and John Rom clearly cares about the Ryder Cup as well. So, uh, please have a listen to our chat with John Rom. Um, I'm a fellow Green Jagger winner. So, uh, where, where do you keep What your, is that? This is my annual golf. Trip. Oh, are we recording? HGGA yeah. oh, okay, good. championship. What is and that? It's my annual golf trip. <laughs> I've won it five times, and we have a green jacket, just like so. So you've won your five, golf trip five times. Yeah, wow. and I won it this year, just that, like you. That doesn't sound regular. So, <laughs> <laughs> Such a big There's deal. There's handicaps involved. So, uh, yeah. But anyways, a fellow Green Jacket winner, it's an honor to have you on, John. Oh, it was my honor. Um, trust me. Where, where do you, first of all, where do you keep the Green Jacket? You don't travel with it, I assume. No, no, no. To be honest, it's been, I haven't even looked at it physically in quite a while. Oh, wow. Well, it's, it's in the closet, obviously, but I... Okay. I'm not gonna lie. A lot of times I forget, and I walk by and I see it, and I'm yeah. like, "Oh yeah, that happened." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I just, you know, in the morning or at some point where I'm, I'm getting dressed and I'm grabbing shoes because it's right next to the shoes, and I just, it just kind of catches me. It's surreal. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously you're in New York City uh, for the U.S. Open mm -hmm. partnership with Dobell. Tell yep. us a little about that. Um, what, what's going on? You have fun, fun day planned here. So I'll, I'll I could look at camera for this for people that don't know. Maestro <laughs> Dobell Tequila. That's the official name. Um, nice. I'm a tequila. I don't even know how to say it. It's not a fan. Tequila a passionate. Connoisseur? I'm not a connoisseur. No, 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 no chance. Okay. No Just chance. I know what I like. I can't tell you what it is, yeah, yeah, but I know what yeah. I like. And uh, yeah, I partnered with them this year, the official tequila of the PJ Tour, now the official tequila of the tennis, US Open. Because yep. I keep saying US Open, I'm thinking of golf. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're here to do an activation. You guys are a part of it, so thank mm -hmm. you. No, thank you. Absolutely. And uh, no, I'm excited. You know, it's been, it's, it's a really good brand to be able to partner with. Right. Um, any any brand that has the name Master on it as part of it, you understand that they're probably taking this stuff very seriously. 
and I resonate with that. I, now more than ever, after actually visiting the distillery this this year, doing the commercial, we got to see the process and what goes into making the the tequila we're drinking. That's cool. And it was uh, you know it was very eye opening because I had no idea mm. the whole process and and the art of doing everything properly and what they can do to make the tequila taste different in each part of the process is pretty incredible. Uh, seeing how they cut the agave plants to me was yeah. the most incredible part. And how, you know, once you have the actual fruit, the gimadores, the, how, I don't even know how to explain it, how much out of the fruit they take out and how much they live makes a big difference when they put it, like basically they bake it in the oven. Right. Like it's, it's crazy how much they need to do to, you know, to come up, kind of be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And at the same time as what we're all trying to do, right? I mean, we're all trying to perfect what we do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you want to be a little bit different to stand out. Yeah. So you tease us pre-show, speaking of drinking tequila, <laughs> you tease us with a, a, your favorite drinking story of yours. It was the Friday before this this mess. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I um, I talked, I, I kind of took an, an advice I got from Jack Nicholas a little bit different to what probably he would have done, but he told me before a lot of majors, what he would do is go to, go to the venue, play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or something like that, Friday flight home, and put the clubs in the closet, huh. not touch them, Saturday, Sunday, and fly Monday. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, I did that for every major. I'm like, what do you mean you did that? You didn't touch two days before you went, you did nothing golf. No, it's like, I was with my family, forgot about yeah. golf. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this. I told Kelly, okay, my swing coach, Dave Phillip, is gonna, is gonna fly in, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm gonna go as intense as can be, Friday at Serverleaf uh, Golf Club, they yep. have um, uh, what they call it Black and Blues, which is a men's game. A men's, um, you can play, I play from, I think it's three, two or three tee boxes up. And it's a skins game. You have handicaps, it's half strokes, you go and have fun, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and we took that to an extreme. I told Kelly, we're going to have fun. Yep, and nice. I told my play, the people, I'm playing with friends and we're playing music. I mean, the, we're all drinking, smoking cigars. But right. Like, they were smoking, I wasn't really. And my goal was, I told them, I'm gonna tee up driver in every single hole that's not a par three, hit as hard as I can and see what happens. Uh, I mean, I we, we stopped counting after eight drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and I started with an eagle on nine mm. and we finished on eight. Right. And that's an up hole, but like I hit driver on a par five where I usually wanna hit, but I hit a pitching wedge and make eagle. <laughs> and the Jeez. funny part is we, we started counting afterwards and none of us, like, I didn't even know what I shot. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, I was making putts. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I shot pretty good. It was yeah. a good round. It ended up being 60. Oh, wow. wow. Ended up collecting a whole lot of cash. Thanks to that. Oh, even though man. I give a lot of strokes back right. and did not touch a club. Um, Saturday and Sunday when Masters Monday to the That's Masters. That's hilarious. I'm winning. Amazing. Was that your low at Silver Leaf? 60? No, I've shot 59 twice, but okay. the silver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's, um, so a new major tradition. No, and it's not like we were trying. It was yeah, just, yeah. you know, just pace of play is slow, yeah. right? Yeah. So you just, you kind of refill in and, yeah. you know, you're having fun. None of us were, <laughs> yeah. were being stupid. It's just, they were telling me how funny it was. The fact that I was just so relaxed and not thinking about it. Right, right. right. That I ended up shot in 16. You yeah. kind of, you know, when I went to Augusta, I was like, hey, I four putt the first hole. <laughs> right. And I'm like, clearly, I know I'm playing good golf. It feels good. It's like, yeah. don't overthink it and go. Right. And, and if anything, it taught me a lesson about just letting it be. Yeah. Right. right. It was kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think any of us expected that. Yeah. After the four putt, you're like, Jack Nicklaus has no idea. What you're <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I no. should have torn it up the weekend. No, you, no, really. It's, uh, it's, 
it's very common for a putting green and the golf course to be a little bit different. And what happened is the back left pin on the first hole at Augusta, for people that haven't seen it or been there, they put it on a little bit of a, of a high spot, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a foot behind it, it drops off. Yeah. And right, so everything is really uphill, but then downhill. So yeah. Justin and I have a similar putt on the first one. He leaves it about four feet short. So I'm like, okay, the greens are slow. And I hit it. Most greens they would have been maybe three feet by, ended up being seven feet by. And then the next one ends up being five feet by. And I'm like, well, you know, they weren't really bad putts. Yeah. Like right. all of them felt good. Right. Yeah. The real stress was on two when I have this 10 footer for ego and it's the same thing. It goes up and down and I hit a good putt and he goes to four feet. And I'm thinking, please make this putt. <laughs> and uh, thank God I made it. I don't yeah. know if I didn't make that, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah, and I, I, the only thing to tell me was, hey, it was all good putts, right? Right, yeah. and, right. And Jack is, is something, I think it was at Augusta, two quotes that came to mind. One was Jack when they asked him, you know, I can't believe you missed this putt on this. I was like, no, I didn't miss it. I hit exactly the way I wanted to. I just didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was like, that's one. And then the other one was Seve's when he four-putted right. famously at Augusta. Yeah. Someone and missed, I miss, I miss. I miss, I miss. I make. Right. Next question. Right. It really truly boils down to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Just believe in your process. Um, well, well, if you're going to double a hole, you either want to do it as early as possible. <laughs> that's true. Right. Or as late as possible, way. like Scotty Scheffler did. Yeah, well, right. well, it just doesn't matter. Right. right? So right. somewhere in between, no. But like right. that, yes. I would say it worked out and he shot nine under the, the rest of the way, right? Yeah. So, that's, um, that was an incredible round. But like that story at Silverleaf, how much do you enjoy kind of like the casual nature of golf still being, golf. you know? So much. Yeah. That's the You're just a golf game. junkie. That's the beauty of this game. Yeah. Even weeks where I'm taking weeks off, mm-hmm. I'll still go and play 18. Mm. That's cool. Maybe just warm up and play 18. More for the social aspect of it than, yeah. than actually trying. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Like I'll just go have fun and not really care. And you got a good group out there. Tony's out there, right? Yeah. Still really, yeah so. I play with Tony quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But if I'm playing with Tony, it's like it's hard for us not to take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Like it's just we're kind of used to it. So, yeah. right. uh, But like I do have a group of group of friends who some of them are good golfers, some nice. of them are not. But it's right. just a good mix of people to yeah. to go play. And one of them, I'm not going to say names, but every time I hit a good shot, it's always the same thing. It's like, oh, good drive. And his response is, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> like truly, we don't really care what you do. Like, right. Fair enough. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, I, they keep me grounded. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah that's they, good they keep me grounded. Yeah, yeah they don't care. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Uh, when you finish a season, uh, is there a process that you go through, uh, you know, in terms of reevaluating what's gone on or evaluating mm-hmm. what's gone on? And has that changed now that you have the two young kids and everything else? Are you a little more busy now uh, once the season ends? Uh, my process when it comes to golf hasn't changed. Okay. Right. It, that, that shouldn't change. Uh, it's been an adjustment with kids, obviously, because your time and your priorities change. But now when it comes to golf, it hasn't changed. It's, it's still the same. And I know PGA Tour season has ended, but we haven't really ended because I still have Wentworth Ryder Cup, Spanish Open right. and Dubai to play. So yeah, right. it'll be more maybe after Spanish Open, you know, and even a week after the tournament to where I'll think about the year and see what mm-hmm. we can do. But I don't foresee wanting to really change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never do any drastic changes. I'd go my goals i renew them every single year um because that kind of helps me stay fresh and mm-hmm. um yeah we'll be at the end of the year we'll set goals for the next year and, mm-hmm. and that kind of turns the page right was one of your goals to win player of the year and do you do you think you are the player of the year you all you have all of our votes obviously i think you uh, yeah. well it's it's player vote right so player vote exactly thank you but, no, yeah. Yeah, we don't count our votes, votes. so it's 
I've certainly made a really good case for myself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I know Scott, he's been incredibly consistent and Victor towards the end, uh, did yeah. obviously he's done incredible, but in my mind, I, I did have an incredible consistent year and the win player of the year, mm-hmm. even though I won a major. So in my mind, I want to think that the hardware will speak for itself mm-hmm. and you know, out of about three of us contending, I'm the only one who won a major. So right. yes. if that were, if I had to say, Yes, I mean, I do think I deserve it, but you can make a good argument for everybody. I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and V Player of the Year, uh, I actually don't remember if that was part of the goals or not. But okay. It's one of the things that if I accomplished a lot of the things I wanted to do, that should take care of itself. Right. Um, but I actually don't remember. I would have to go back in it. I think you might have been in there. Okay. How uh, I many years ago you want to be at least, at least yeah. once, right? Yeah. Are any of them st- statistical related? No. No. So you're not so you're, big, yeah. And <clears throat> no. not dive into the strokes gain each week. The whole strokes gain and statistics, like, I think a lot of people, I'll, I don't know how to interpret it properly. There's so much that goes into it, no. right? So um, I wouldn't know. I think I would get lost myself. I, there's experts that can tell me what I can improve, but I yeah. feel like I know what I need to improve on. Right. Right? Right. Like, I, know, I don't need anybody to tell me that my driving was worse than last year. I don't need anybody to tell me that my putting was better than last year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't, I, I get it. Uh, that's why maybe the experts can tell you exactly where parts were different, but like every year it changes, right? Like right. you might be better at some things one year than the other. So uh, I feel like we all know what we need to work on. Yeah. Now. I've seen Justin Thomas do that though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'll ever be putting it out in the public. But. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, I'm Josh. sure one of the goals is Ryder Cup related yeah. and uh, we're a few weeks away from that. Oh, playing the Ryder Cup? Or... <laughs> no, no, winning. I mean, I think yeah, you I would probably assume, assumed you were on the team. Yeah. Um, well, you don't want to assume anything. But true. Like I said, there's a lot of things that I set myself out to every year that if you do those things or get close, it takes care of. Right. right. Like any rankings, any... And Ryder Cup at the end of the day is just related to rankings, right? So right. anything related to that, it just ends up being a consequence of what you do on the golf course. Right. So it's in my mind, yes, but it's not like, oh, my goal is to make the Ryder Cup. Because then I'm yeah. thinking about the Ryder Cup way yeah. too far in advance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. What, do you, what do you think about Team Europe's chances? I mean, you know, Team USA obviously is is pretty, you know, talented, but you know, there's some question marks down at the end of the, the <laughs> roster. But, you know, the, the top, <laughs> my words, um, the top three guys for Team Europe, I mean, you guys are so stat with Rory and Victor, the way Victor's playing. So. Yeah. I mean, well, it's it's tough because forever the European team has been underlooked yeah. right. or under yeah. undervalued because some yeah. of the guys mainly play in Europe, right? And you just truly don't know how good they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, when it comes to match play, who you are and what you've done means absolutely nothing. True, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the beauty of it mm-hmm. right you're going in there and you just have to be the guy or the two guys in front of you that's right. that's it so mm-hmm. that's what i think the difference is mm-hmm. uh for us it's going to be a, a bit of a change right we're not going to have a lot of the let's say legends and more experienced players we've yeah. had in the past but that can always be a good thing right you can have mm-hmm. a lot of new players new blood that are going to bring a different type of energy mm-hmm. so uh, i'm looking forward to it obviously we don't know our team yet right uh, i think we can all probably pick out nine to 10 names yeah. pretty quickly. Is mm-hmm. this who they're going to decide to pick? And mm-hmm. still tournaments to play, right? I right. mean, you have this week and next week in Europe for people to just to make a case. Mm-hmm. 
do you, you speaking of teams being picked and obviously we know the u.s teams get picked right now uh, do you care at all about who gets picked on the other side? Obviously, I assume you care a little about who's on your team, but do you care at all about who you're going to be facing, or does it does it matter? When it comes to the U.S., I feel like, again, you can really connect the dots pretty quickly. Mm. Right? Like It's always going to be one or two spots for about three, four names, and it's mm. going to be a toss-up. You can't really go wrong with either one. Right. So uh, we can all deduct the same things. Right. So uh, no, I'm not really paying attention because I already have a pretty good idea of who's going to be on the team. Right. It, like it wouldn't be. It's never a pick that I would be like, oh my god, there's no way they picked him. Right. 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 That's yeah. Makes sense. And you mentioned Justin Thomas before. I mean, you you think his match play record speaks for itself? I mean, he. Yeah. I, I listen. There's there's some people out there that um, because of the chemistry they have with, with other players and how well he's done in the Ryder Cup. No matter what type of year he had, what he's done speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. His personality in those events speaks for itself. So it's one of those picks that I would, I mean, not surprised whatsoever. Right. It might surprise some people. It wouldn't surprise me. Right. It would be like when Sergio got picked for Paris. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I right. mean, if he has all four limbs, he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> he's the greatest player we've ever had in right. European history. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like it's, it's, there's no really arguing or. The same way of if Rory has a bad year, you're still picking Rory. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just you're still picking him. Like, yeah, that's right. a no-brainer. You kind of, to a weird sense, it almost makes it easier because there's one less pick to worry about. Right. It's like he's going no matter what. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Amazing. Quick subject change. Amazing quote a few weeks ago about one of your fixes for the tour. Yes. Potties. That was your number one. <laughs> that was your number one. So good. I I, listen, it's really funny because yeah. the truth is, if you were to ask the tour my priorities, I couldn't yeah. care Elizabeth live. I've told them many times. Yeah. It goes more like down little things like little that. Things it's like so that. funny. But that's a big thing. Yeah. You think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Especially with pace of play the way it is. I well, mean, yeah, you're waiting around. Yeah. That's my next question. Right. We go back to Masters Sunday. Right. That was a big topic. Right. What is the John Rom fix for slow play on the PJ Tour? I said this a few few weeks ago. Now, that Masters was out of context. Yes. Yeah. Split tees. Split tees, two sums. Yes. yes. That yeah. was going to happen. Yeah. Like, we get to the second tee, and Brooks and I see uh, Victor and Cantley standing there. We were on that tee for 25 minutes. Yeah. Oh, it's nuts. We waited the entire day. Yep. Yeah. And then on 16, Brooks and I played 15 really fast. Mm -hmm. Really fast. Like he hit it on two, you know, I two-putted. And Victor went long left. And Kelly went on the green short right about as far and the hardest part you can think yeah. of on that mm -hmm. hole. So like, they're going to take a while to play that hole. Right. And I understand they're also playing for certain spots yeah. on the on the leaderboard. Right. So it was taken a bit out of context. We actually didn't see him on 17 or 18. Yeah. But that's not talked about. Right. 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 So uh, we, we, them, everybody waited the entire day. I, I, you know, Patrick might not be the fastest, but I hated how out of yeah. context he was taken. Same on 13. Right. He hits it left. Yeah. It takes a while to figure out the draw. Victor was on the fairway, hits it on the green. So it just keeps on playing while Patrick is walking to right. the green. Yeah. So it was really taking care out of context because that happens to somebody every day. Right. It's happened to me. Right. Right. Like I've I've had to pitch out and you're waiting because yeah. they're already out there. Like mm -hmm. that just happens. So yeah. um with that said, I think the biggest problem for pace of play is always been field sizes. Mm. There's absolutely nothing you can do with 156 right. players on the field. Nothing. Right. Absolutely zero. You might be able to play a little faster or not, but eventually you can have a group that doesn't have their best day. Eventually you can have that same group might need a couple drops, yep. and you're 15 minutes behind, and it's just a trickle effect. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. that happens. 
Well, that'll change with the signature yeah. events next year, right? Yeah, yeah like we didn't so. talk about pace of play this late, did we? No. We didn't no. talk about a right. BMW sure. or Memphis. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's more the, the size of the field that yeah. makes a difference. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you've been back to Augusta since April now. No. Do you have, have plans not. to, like, after the season? I, I don't know. Um, I'll need to see how my schedule is going to look like in the, in the spring to mm -hmm. see if I'm going to go before. I do want to go. Yeah. At least once before is my time to defend Can the Masters, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah I, I want to. Uh, it'd be really cool to be able to go and bring the jacket with me and actually use it while I'm there. Yeah. Before the because I don't want to be completely freaking out the week of the Masters. Right. Right. So I kind of get a little bit Act of that out of the way. Yourself. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a group in mind who you would bring with you? So the. I mean, we got a perfect foursome right here. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I can't. I can't invite anybody. <laughs> oh no, you can't. Uh, no, you no. Can't. well, I can invite one of you, but you can't play. You oh, just walk. Okay. I was, I was, oh, wow. I was still need a member, and then bring two friends with me. True. Yeah, so okay. one of you is staying home. <laughs> <laughs> but I do well, have. They played already. Yeah. So, so I guess I, I, I do have the one, the one members, one of my best friends. His name is David Novak. Okay. He, he. Uh, so that makes it easy, though. Well, him and then Chairman Ridley did invite me. It's like next time you go, let me nice. know. And I'm like, oh, amazing! Okay. I did have to tell him. I'm like, Chairman, if David finds out that I'm going there without him, he's gonna kill yeah, me. Right. So he's gonna yeah. have to come. Yeah. Okay. Then we'll have somebody else as well. But like, right. but yeah, he obviously that would be Mr. Ridley said. So I will be yeah. uh, obviously taking taking him up a lot. I, I might make the effort in the fall and go. Right. Just to enjoy it, and then maybe on the spring again if I can at some point. You know, maybe after players were on the East Coast, to be easy That's to true. do. Yeah, maybe I don't know. It all depends. Yeah. How does How does Chairman Ridley and the Masters do with the the bathroom situation there? Has Jay Monahan gotten back? <laughs> oh, it's to amazing. His... No, they have <laughs> they, 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 they have strategically placed actual bathrooms. Because now the next thing I'm yeah, gonna get into is when it's a hundred and humid, those porta oh potties are even worse. Oh, okay. God. So that's yeah. awful. That's what I that's what I told Jay. I'm like the, yeah. the longer I have to wait, I'm gonna keep adding for things. Yeah. AC, yeah. climate controlled, double ply toilet paper, right? Okay. Just in case for somebody. Uh, it's just I I told him as a joke, but uh, I think Brooks made the quote of me going to the bathroom seven times. Yes, yes, yes. I think that speaks of itself. Yeah. They have them well placed. They have yes. them well placed. Okay. Yeah, they have they have way more than many other events. Like you have one. Between one green, two T, and nine T, there's one yep. there. Yep. There's one right of four T that you can mm -hmm. access yeah. after four far away, after in two far away right. as well. People don't realize that. You have one behind five T that you yes. can access as well. Right. You have one. Then the next one would be on this after eight, right? Nine. Right. You usually have the clubhouse. You have one on eleven T, thirteen T, sixteen T. Well run event. And they're all hit yeah. in yeah. the trees. You can't yeah. see them. Yeah, they're, they're all hidden. Yeah. yeah, of course. So there's there's plenty of them. Yeah, yeah. true. Last one for me. You've been amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing with your time. I can't, can't believe this is actually something <laughs> that. <like. laughs> um, you're a busy man. A lot of obligations today. You've got kids now. Does John Rom ever scroll Twitter, Instagram, social media? No, I don't even have it on my phone. Yeah, I, I have an account, and if I want to post something, I tell somebody to post it. But yeah. I can't deal. I don't like looking. Yeah, because yeah. I can't help myself and I'm going to end up looking at what people say about me. Yeah. And even if I see a thousand good things, I'm going to remember the one bad comment. Yeah. It's just going to be in my mind. And I got to a point during COVID where it affected my mood a little bit too mm. much. I mm. saw it affecting my personal life and the way I saw myself. And mainly because on the golf course, obviously, I'm a little bit more um, out there than most people. And I just don't want to don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not healthy for anyone's mindset. No, yeah. no, no, I, I just don't. 
Yeah. And a lot of it is BS. You have so many people that just want to hate to hate. Yeah, of yes. course. Like I'll never forget, uh, I'm playing, we're playing Albany a few years ago after the California fires. And Patrick Cantley's being from there said, hey, I'm going to donate X amount per birdie, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm going to be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the first two comments that I remember, I, I don't remember any of the good ones. I remember two bad ones. First one is, oh, well, you're going to donate, I think, because you're a terrible player. <laughs> I won the tournament, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one is, well, just donate the money. Right. Uh, you like, can't win. You can't win. You can't win. So it's the uh, same thing when I did something like that for Mexico City after the yeah. earthquake. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So it's just so, and I'm, I'm doing something good. Oh, and there's nice always things. somebody complaining yeah. about right. it. It's like, I just, yeah. you know. And then at one point, it was actually here in New York on a vacation with my wife. We posted something, and somebody said something about her, and that's when I said this. And I can kind of deal with myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even want to hear what they say about my kids if 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 I posted something like that. Yeah, so yeah. I just said nope, yeah. not that. Because yeah. if they say something about my kids, I'll probably respond. And I, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to. Right. 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 They're great kids. Whether you like me or not, should have nothing to do with with yeah. them. Right. So it's it's just crazy to me that. Uh, well, people can do that. So yeah. for that reason alone, I have them, but not in my phone. Right. Smart. Yeah. Well, last thing from from me as well, and it, hopefully a little happier. What about if you're not scrolling Twitter, you're on the road a lot. You, are you binging anything? Uh, any any TV shows? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The, we always got to find something. So yeah. there's the usual reality shows that Kelly and I like to watch. The okay. one we like watching uh, called The Challenge on MTV. Okay. That sounds like uh, a <laughs> She likes watching a lot of other stuff, like yeah. the Real Housewives. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I don't, but the challenge is a physical aspect of it. Okay. So yeah. I enjoy um, the whole politics of the show. Eh? But at the end of the day, when somebody makes it to the final, the best fit usually wins, which at least is fair. Okay. I watched the season of, of Big Brother with her, the only one I've watched, and the most undeserving person won, and I was so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, for somebody who's an athlete, the fact right. that I'm watching this, I'm like, this dude wins half a million dollars and, deserve it. and does not deserve yeah, it. Yeah. I'm like, he didn't earn this, right. but because the other guy was disliked by the rest of the cast, he gets voted to win. Right. I'm like, losing my freaking mind. That's, that's not right. Yeah. So I'm like, no, this is, this is not how the world should be. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's yeah, where my reality TV experience goes to. Okay. I left it. That's about the only one that I watch. Otherwise, we go with other shows like... Recently, we watched Suits. No, I've just started Suits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now we're watching Blind Spot. Okay. Yeah, I gotta get. I gotta try that then. So Blind Spot's good. Both based in New York. So I told these guys I just finished Narcos and Narcos Mexico. Finally, it's I haven't most, seen Mexico. It's yet. the most underrated show of all time. It's it. honestly well it's it. great for me because well it. it's in Spanish. So exactly. Like, it's I great for re- me. I'm yeah. reading the whole time. My yeah. wife couldn't. She can't do it. But I, I'm doing. But so you can't look at your phone while you're watching it. But you could. But yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, it's, it was a, obviously for me, it's a little yeah. bit easier to watch. Got that some show. travel coming up, maybe there. Well, I've done my fair share of watching shows in English and not understanding it. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up awesome. with you know you you have a toddler. I do too. You have to watch a bunch of shows that they want to watch. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. curious which one is like maybe the most annoying and like do you get any of those theme songs stuck in your <laughs> stuck in your head day. on the course? Oh, and how do you get it day. out on the course? Because no, yeah. I just let it go. It's so yeah, okay. you can let it go? I can't get it out. It's You're just, humming like Mickey. Mouse theme songs. You know? So it's funny because he is in a few hours actually. Yeah, he's he's going his first day of school in Arizona. Oh, today, oh so. great, awesome. Um, <laughs> and he he gets obsessed with one thing, like many other kids. Right? Like and now daughter. it's on yeah. Disney Plus. Thank God for that. Yes. Out. Oh my Thank God. God. Best money I've ever spent. Yeah. Um, he loves cars, but like he kind of got tired of the movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they did a bunch of little shows, and one is Cars on the Road. Okay. okay. 
And it's basically about them going through adventures. And he obviously as well loves trucks, like right. obsessed with trucks. Nice. And one of the episodes, it's basically a musical episode in truck singing. <laughs> and when I kid you not, this last week, every morning, he'll watch a thing yeah. on repeat. Yeah. yeah. And he doesn't know how to play his repeat yet. Right. So we have to do it for him. Yeah. But like the whole song, it's stuck in my head, my wife's head, yeah. and my next head. Oh my God. We're all can, thinking about the same thing. I can thing. relate. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's always one of those, right? Yeah. At one point, the Coco Melon song. Oh my God, the oh, Thank God that phase is over with. That's Ooh. the worst. Oh well, the weird thing is, it's funny because our oldest like loves watching and having music and all that. Mm -hmm. Our youngest couldn't care any less. Okay. Yeah. A one-year-old, now he does not. Luckily, he That's doesn't good. have that that yet. Yeah. Uh, he's been an amazing sleeper and amazing eating, so we haven't had to distract him yet. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So we haven't gone through that with him. But, yeah. But Kepa, yeah, he likes yeah. he likes watching some stuff. Awesome. It's too fun. Uh, we tried to steer him too, right? Like I just it used yeah. to be a lot of of that. Kakomana said, "We got to start watching some movies yeah. with the guy." Yeah. <laughs> and no, not unhealthy. I was like, if if he can actually yeah. enjoy the movies, because yeah. then yeah. once you watch all those things, you can you can do more things, right? Like right. once, like we go to Orlando every year for Bay Hill. If he understands what's going on with some characters, you can actually take it to Disney World and right. enjoy it yeah. more right. so than than without knowing, right. right? So it's little things like that 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 go, right? Now he's getting into Mothman's Inc. a little bit, so okay. we're getting down okay. that route. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Fun. Yeah. Still no Lion King, which kind of hurts my feelings oh, a little yeah. bit. I feel like you have to be a little that's, older, maybe, because yeah. we tried that recently. Scary. I don't know. Scary it is scary. Yeah, yeah. He's, it is funny when some, something gets scary, because yeah. he gets scared to death. <laughs> no. Like the whole he knows something. Da, 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 da. No. It's pretty funny. It's, 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 it's truly adorable. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, the songs, always. Always, always. <laughs> Well, well, John, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, it's been a lot of fun, at least for us. Again, an honor meeting a fellow Green Jacket winner like yourself. And uh, and good luck. Good luck at the Ryder Cup. Thank uh, you. Good luck the rest of the year. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to John and the people at uh, Maestro Dobell Tequila. That was uh, that was a great interview, great segment. We wish I could have gone out again. We, we could have gone out. He yeah. made it like he could have gone for hours too, which I mean, As I'm, he said, so, I'm so jealous of you guys. Talking to John <laughs> Robb is one of the chief pleasures of being he's, a, he's really, amazing. You're he's incredible. A conference with 19 other media members. So, yeah, you guys to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. As yeah. he said, like, you know, 25 minutes in, we we're like, all right, we're over our time. We're going to end it. And he's like, man, these, these interviews just feel short. You know, I did yeah. one with it with the foreplay guys and that was an hour and that felt short too. That this felt really short. Like, yeah, he, yeah, just he, likes, he likes to do a good, yeah. good function. Well, that means you did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. It sounded like it, but anyway, great, great stuff from John. Um, and we, you know, we didn't really get into who Luke Donald is going to pick because, of course, that's going to come up. But Shane, you have been looking at this as well as, as uh, I'm sure, and uh, your Ryder Cup radical buddies, Joel and Luke. Um, there's a lot of question marks down the board with Europe as well. They could go really young. They could go really old, although I guess they don't have the live guys at their disposal like, like the U.S. did. Um, what are you thinking right now, Shane, as uh, we, we you know, near Luke Donald releasing his picks? Yeah, it's a, it's a top-heavy team for Europe this year. Uh, right. So have, you know, the guys that definitely seem like they make it, Hovland, Hatton, Fleetwood, Rom, Rory, um, Justin Rose and Shane Lowry. I think you need like that veteran infusion. They're going to make it mm. Matt Fitzpatrick, obviously Sepp Straka, I think is in and mm. then it looks like Robert McIntyre is going to be the third one to qualify on that European list unless okay. like crazy happens this weekend. So then it leaves two guys. And in my last, 
you know, prediction column there. I, I think it's going to be Adrian Moronk, who is this guy who, if you look at his scorecards, it's kind of funny where he'll shoot, you know, 70, but he'll have nine birdies. It's like, that's pretty good. You know, if you look at four ball or something, that's a really good guy to play in four ball. Someone who's making a ton of birdies and you can pair him with someone. So, you know, if he makes like five bogeys to it, it doesn't matter quite as much. Um, He won the Italian open at this course, right? Oh, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. And so did, uh, and so did Nikolai Hoygaard, who Mm -hmm. I have right now is the 12th pick, but you know, two weeks before that, I had him off the bubble. So it's like, it's very confusing. So Hoygaard won in 2021 in Italy. Moronk won this year. And Robert McIntyre won the year before in you know, the, the middle okay. year of 2022. So those guys make sense, right? And and like I said, McIntyre is probably going to qualify. And then the people who, to me, are on the outside of the bubble are, you know, I'm looking at the names. It's like Yannick Paul, Adrian Otegui, Rasmus Hoygaard, Victor Perez, guys that would be kind of tough to pick out of a lineup if you're not following golf really right. closely. so it just shows that it's a it's kind of a, a mess down at the bottom of the european list so yeah i think nikolai hoygaard finished like third this last week um you know moronk like i said he's a birdie machine those guys seem like the most likely to fill out those last two spots but it's it's pretty ambiguous like a lot of people like ludwig Aberg, which yeah, I, think, I was gonna I was yeah. ask you about him yeah yeah i think it's impossible this year like i just don't i can't see luke donald actually doing it but it might actually be the smart move like maybe he's got right. so much game that it's the right thing to do but a guy with you know two professional top tens picking him over you know a bunch of guys with with wins on the european tour and things like that it seems far-fetched to me uh but yeah it's you know he's going to Luke Donald's going to have to rely on his horses at Italy and hope that one of these kind of fringy lower guys goes off and turns out to be, you know, the next Dean Poulter or something. It seems like Aberg, like his strengths are his insane distance. Um, whereas maybe that's not, you know, really important for Marco Simone, uh, you know, from what I understand, at least and how typically European captains set up the course. I, I think you're right. Gene. I think like a lot of people on social media want him to go with, Aberg, but it's probably just a little too early and you know maybe next time after two years then it's a more likely pick yeah there was a hero cup a thing they called the hero cup which used to be called the sevi cup which is you know the Ryder cup but between uk and ireland on one side and continental europe on the other right. and you know i hearing like the reports from that it's like they loved moronk they liked victor perez but his form has been rotten they liked uh, they liked McIntyre. They loved Matt Wallace, but until last week, his form was bad. But like mm-hmm. I, Aberg didn't even play in that, right? He wasn't even on the rate. I don't even know if he was a pro at that point yet. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in January, and so it's yeah. There's just all these other considerations, guys who they've kind of been battle testing a little bit. It just feels like it, it would be the darkest of dark horses if if Luke Donald actually picked him. Yeah, it's funny because it, it it reminds me then of what you were talking about the U.S. team. It's like I think clearly Ludwig Aberg is one of the twelve best European players right now, but is he one of the 12 best for the team, which is like what you were saying, how Zach Johnson, Zach Johnson's filling out the American team, you know, um, Justin Thomas is not one of the 12 best American players right now, but right. for the team, yeah. he he is because of all these other things and these intangibles and, and his past record and everything else. So I know it it is so different from what we're used to seeing in golf where we can just like look at guys, scorecards and, and whatever. Um, that's funny you say that about Moronk. That reminds me of Nicholas uh, Colsarts, who used to be on the team. And I remember he had that one match. It was him and he carried Lee Westwood around and they beat Tiger. And Tiger shot six or seven under at Medina. And Colsarts made like 10 birdies or something oh insane. Nine yeah. birdies from Eagle. Right. 
I, that's kind of reminds me of Moronk. I mean, in, in match play, you know, I feel that all the time when I'm playing. I, I don't make a lot of birdies. I like to, I make pars. I end up getting dusted sometimes. You you got to make birdies. You got to make the big number every once in a while. So is that how much does that go in when when guys are looking at this, especially for the uh, the four ball scenario? Yeah, I was gonna say it's huge for four ball, and and some of those guys, you take their natural proclivity for making birdies, and then you give them the freedom of right. four ball, and it can just right. be off the charts. Like you can have that Cole Search type round where you're like, oh man. Like he doesn't even care. <laughs> He's right. just like just straight up birdie hunting. And if he makes bogey, hopefully the other guy, you know, makes par or something. So yeah, I think it's huge. I think it's huge. And, and uh, you know, Steven, like you said, he won in Italy. He won on the course that they're playing at. And that's really, really big. Uh, yeah. So I think that's big. Um, the one cool thing I think about the European side is that even up until this coming weekend, at, I think it's the Omega European masters. And I don't even know what that's played, but even up to this weekend, I think it's it's up in the air. Right. And I, I think maybe the U.S. long before the Tour Championship probably had it figured out. These probably. guys, I think, like if, if Aberg, for example, went and won this event this week, I actually think he could still make the team. And yeah. so I, I don't I don't watch it. I'll turn it on weekend mornings, but it's not like I'm a regular routine watcher of the DP World Tour, but I will be this week because it's just so dramatic, like how much it's coming down to the wire. I think that's kind of cool. This is a good week to watch it because it's in Switzerland and this course has insane. Oh yeah, this is the the one like in the Alps. So right, right, right. Oh man, nice, nice. Yeah, you know, Shane, we kind of talked about this with with John, um, also, but you know, forever the U.S. always has the best team on paper, but this year, at least at the top, especially we we all agree the top three. Europe's better with Rom and Rory and Hovland now just becoming this sensation. Um, is it even is it possible that I mean I know like you said it's kind of a mess further down the board, but it, it almost seems like and I know the Europe Europeans, Stephen, I've been kicking ourselves for not betting them when they were two to one dogs. They're still underdogs, even though they're at home. They like you could almost make a case that they have as much talent this year, finally, which which hasn't really been the case before. Yeah, real quick before we get to that, can I just tell you guys that I, I'm not a gambler, but I'm in a slack with a bunch of people who are. Apparently, yeah. after all the rumors came out about Burns yesterday, you could yeah. still, there was some site where all my friends got onto this, where Burns was still an underdog to make the team against no Cam And you could also bet on Cam Young not making the team. Oh my God, so they double dipped like, on it. What a shit ton of money. And <laughs> like, they stopped it like halfway through. And they, but it was one of those sites where I guess you can bet a certain amount, but then you have to request more. So yeah. one friend was like, can I put $300 on this? And they came back to him and they're like, no, we're shutting it down. We're shutting it down. <laughs> it's too suspicious. It's a ton of money on Sam Burns because- I need uh, to get in the Slack channel, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently, and somebody was saying that works in Vegas that they don't actually have people monitoring social media. They just kind of monitor the bets and react to that. Um, so there was a window of like 10 minutes where well, like, no, laying up, no laying up was like Burns is on the team and you could get in yeah. and get him. So yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. What was your actual question? No, like, is it possible, yeah, is it possible that yeah. Europe is better this year on paper for once? I mean, at least it's kind of crazy. For sure. And, you know, watching how John Rahm did in Whistling Straits, like, they're not just really good, but they're really good at the Ryder Cup. Rory has been, but he wasn't at Whistling Straits. I think the key thing for Europe uh, – and again, what you saw two years ago is that the U.S. got a big lead uh, on the first day. Right. And that, with another top-heavy European team, that really forced their hand 
into playing their best guys over and over and over. And the result of that was that you saw, you know, like John Rahm exhausted uh, right. playing Scotty Scheffler in singles and kind of got waxed. Like Sergio Garcia exhausted, got waxed by Bryson DeChambeau in singles. So they have to be, it's a blessing and a curse to have that. If you start off winning, it's great because you can ride the hot hand. You can rest people when you need to, but I guarantee you the U S is going to get everyone out on the first day. All 12 people will play on the first day. Nobody's going to play four sessions over those first four rounds. So everybody, the max you'll play is three going into Sunday. They always run this balanced thing. It's part of the new tactics. It's it's so important for Europe not to go down like five three or six two on that first day because then it doesn't matter that you're top heavy. It actually becomes a weakness because you're desperate at that point, right? You can't you can no longer balance things. You have to throw them all out there, pray that John Rahm and Rory and Hovland win, and then just hope you can hang on. But yeah, to your point, they like at the top they might be a little stronger, and you wonder with Scotty Scheffler's putting, right? Is, like, is he worse in a Ryder Cup format than he would be in a stroke play format, right? Where it's a small sample size and putting is so important. Um, yeah, it's it, there's there's a couple ways that could go, but I think fundamentally you're right that if you gave both captains in a vacuum, like, do you take these three top guys or these three top guys? I think obviously right now you would go with the, the European top three. Uh, and just right for a uh, right for a European Europeans lead after uh, session one or day one bet. You, yeah. That, so wait, you're saying that you would take that or you would? Yeah, it sounds yeah. If you're, based on what you just said, I'm sure it'll be uh, plus money too. I would imagine. The one thing that keeps happening in European Ryder Cups, they always have uh, foursomes second, alternate shot second. And it keeps happening that the U.S. either takes the lead or holds their own in the four-ball morning session, and yeah. then it just becomes a slaughterhouse uh, in the foursomes where Europe does it. So I don't know. Again, you guys are way better experts at this than me. I don't know if there's a thing where, you know, if the U.S. goes up two and a half to one and a half, and there's a bet that Europe leads at the end of the day, yeah. like that's yeah. that's like that's where the money's at, right there. Right, right. Right. I think they, just, I mean, they, they have their stats guys that are so influential in foursomes. It's yeah, it's that's where they're really tough. Euros and foursomes. That's that's definitely the bet. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're crazy good in foursomes. At least well, at home they are. Yeah. Well, just finally for me, Shane. I know you already said it. I mean, you 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 think this is U.S. Team USA's Ryder Cup to win? They're going to snap this three decade long uh, road, you know, drought. Um, obviously, nothing that happened with Zach Johnson today is going to change that. Nothing that happens with Luke Donald's picks is going to change that. Right. That's that's your your prediction as we uh get get we're a month out i guess yeah Less yeah it's a, t- it's a tough prediction because playing on the road is so hard i mean it's right. just so 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 hard but yes i think they're a fortified team i think they're a strong chemistry team i think they're going to go into europe as a unit they're going to have good planning and you just have, you have to win the matches right i mean as dumb as that sounds like you still have to you can't strategize your way to a, to a vic you still have to go out and execute but i would think a 15 to 13 us win is something that would would be sort of my theory right now that would be okay. <laughs> that's where i'm leaning all right and I'm, we could bet on the exact score too so there you go that's <laughs> <No>, dangerous <laughs> that's dangerous yeah um all right shane well it was a lot of fun everybody check out Ryder cup radicals on our local knowledge feed especially as we get closer to the event again thanks a ton to john rom for joining us today as well that was certainly a thrill for everyone Hope you guys enjoyed that. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks as always to our producer, Greg Gottfried. And check back next week. we got another fun guest. So that's all I'll say. See you.